This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Independent news commentary with a California perspective, featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 8, Episode 19, Finding My Roots, Talking with Tim Early. We need to haunt the house of history and listen anew to the ancestors' wisdom. So said poet Maya Angelou on the topic of genealogy. What is it about the subject that makes it one of America's favorite pastimes? Just look at the popularity of the PBS series Finding Your Roots, hosted by Henry Louis Gates. I think we all want to know where we come from, and we all want to know about our roots. My own family history journey was fairly easy, as three of my four grandparents left well-documented records going back over 250 years. But one of them, my paternal grandfather, was elusive. While we had some documentation, we knew nothing about his family. When I did the Ancestry.com DNA testing two years ago, it generated 3,200 DNA matches, but not a single one was named Herlihy. Fast forward to April 28, 2021, author Libby Copeland came on the show to discuss her book, The Lost Family. You wish to listen to the episode, it's Season 8, Episode 1, dated April 28th, and you can find it on my website. Libby was a Washington Post journalist, and her beat was the intersection of technology and popular culture. The Lost Family documents the tale of two families learning about their true roots 100 years later. Instead of being Irish, they were Jewish. I told her about my own interest about learning of my grandfather, Morris Herlihy, that have led me down so many dead ends year after year. She introduced me to a DNA testing company in Houston called Framley Tree DNA, founded by Bennett Greenspan, and she encouraged me to check it out. Family Tree is different from Ancestry.com in that it focuses only on the patrilineal line, testing for Y chromosomes, which are only passed along the male line. Since I was looking for my paternal grandfather's ancestors, this approach made sense to me. I ordered the kit, I gave them a DNA sample, and waited for the results. Within one month, I had the analysis, and today's podcast is the story of what I found out about my Hurley ancestors, and what a tale it is. Joining us today from his home in Virginia Beach, Virginia, is Tim Early. Note that Tim's last name, Early, sounds like Hurley, my surname. In fact, Early is a derivative, anglicized version of Herlihy. Y chromosome searches often turn up the same surnamed relatives going back centuries. And that is what happened to Tim and me. Tim's early family tree is one that I share with him, and it takes us back to before the 1500s. So after decades of searching for Herlihy family line ancestors, 
I've discovered Tim Early and his family. He's the first Herlihy Early Link in my tree. And all of that is thanks to Libby Copeland and the Family Tree DNA. Good afternoon, Tim, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jim. Thank you very much. Or should I say cuz? <laughs> exactly. Thanks for having me. Thank you, cuz. Well, Tim, <laughs> please take a few moments and tell us about yourself. Well, I'm retired a few times over, although I still do part-time work right now. Been I, Nothing's been a straight line by any means. Uh, I'm married. I have uh, one son, 72 right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that everybody knows that, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my, my career path has been from paper boy to lifeguards, cab drivers, crabber for a living, actor. Like I say, nothing was a straight line. Even got one job because I tried to buy the company and, and uh, it wasn't successful, but the guy was impressed enough that he said, uh, well, why don't you come to work for me? Said, that was kind of interesting. So. Like I said, uh, at one point, I owned a uh, construction company and a manufacturing company and a finishing company. And then I went into technology and designed an app that never went anywhere, as do most of them. Now I do home inspections every couple of days with a friend of mine only because we like to get together. And and like I said, we don't do it to make a living, but we do do it for beer money. <laughs> okay. Well, Tim, uh, very definitely you're a Renaissance man, a man after my own heart. And how did you become interested in family history? I mean, most families have a family member who's the keeper of family records, the family Bible, all of the family documentation. Were you that person in the early family? I was. I, much to my wife's chagrin, she, you know, she thinks I'm a pack rat. Well, I think others call them quarters, and uh, <laughs> and I am certainly that. If you saw my garage, uh, there's uh, my office in my house is the same way, and and I've got trinkets that probably date back to the third grade. Mean much anymore, but they're there, and I am the keeper, and I, and, and I think what what happened to us, I always had an interest in knowing who my family was and what, and they, and we had always heard that there were some famous people in the family. So it's always wondered where is that particular connection and how, how was it? And being in Virginia, it's a lot of history here and, and that's it. But I've been on doing the genealogy thing for about 19 years. I, I thought it was less than that. And then I, Searched back to Ancestry.com and looked at when I had started, and it was 2002. But my mother was getting old. My father had died. My other relatives were passed and gone by then. And so uh, before she died in 2005, I thought maybe it was best to start asking her questions and filling out as much, much as I can. And that's kind of what started it. And it kind of snowballed from there with do it and other people start contacting you by email you know you you start looking at things there was a an actor they did who do you think you are show about Blair Underwood and he actually relates you know is related back to as far as they could get to the 1700s maybe no I think it was the 1600s but he was related to a fellow named Swami that happened to be a slave of the early family so we wanted to see what that particular connection was. Was there a connection or not? You know, it could have been an early, could have been somebody else. So 
somewhere else. It's obviously there were a lot of intermarriages. So that's, that kind of is within it. And of course, I get a lot of emails about things like, you know, some lady in Germany doesn't know who her father is. You know, what's the connection? Yet she's done the DNA and she knows she's related to me. By the way, I'm not the father, right? But, <laughs> you know, but, you I, know. but I think that it was probably some some relative that was over in Germany at the at our army base there and back in the 60s and, and we tried searching for that and some we've been a little bit successful on and others we get close but it's just fun trying to figure it out now Tim tell me about the tell me about the Virginia connection because of course as you say Virginia was the foundation of the of America as we know it today, the first permanent English settlement, Jamestown, 1607. Tell me about the Earlies and the Jamestown and the Virginia connection, because there's a very rich history there. Actually, it was John Early that immigrated from Donegal, Ireland in uh, 1661. And his dad was William Early. His father was Thomas Early. And that I can even go back further than that. And John was the first that came over. Uh, the name Early is a derivative of what they call the Celtic Omal Machiavelli. And I don't know that I'm rolling my R's correctly, but I think that's what they did. And translated means early rising. Mal signifying king or chief. By the way, Everybody was, if, you, if, if you're if you a hit of the family, you are chief of the family or king of the family. Mm-hmm. Back uh, when the English invaders came to Ireland, they compelled Irish people to adopt English surnames and together with the English language. And that's probably where, you know, it was dropped from. Last names began as an FYI by William the Conqueror and what was it, 10, when it, we came, the Battle of Hastings, 1099 or 1066, whatever it was. 1066. And so, at any rate, the reason they did it, and it, by the way, the Doomsday Papers, the Doomsday Papers means absolutely nothing about Doomsday. What it is is it's a, it's a document that says who's who and who owns land in England. And, and so the reason they wanted a last name was very hard to sit there and say John when there's 14 Johns in one little village. Right. And they said they needed a last name. So he said, you got to have a last name. And the reason he never wanted a last name is so he could tax them. Praise the Lord for our, for our dear governments, you know. Right. And that continues to this day. It continues to this day. Yes. (laughs) That's amazing. You want me to take it further than that? Okay. Well, all of these people, and of course, being in Virginia and right here in those early days, there were very few people around, and they intermarried. And one of my grandfathers was a Montague out of who's on the early side too is uh, Peter Montague, and the Earlys married into the Montague family with Mary Montague, and that that'll take you all the way back to to England, and then from England to to uh, Normandy, from Normandy all the way into Sweden, and and from Sweden. Sweden actually goes right back to the Roman Empire and around 60 AD. Amazing. You've really, again, talking about family history, you've been very thorough and you've been able to take it back to the 1500s, the 1300s, the 1200s, etc. How is, is all of your research internet-based? Uh, yeah, it, it is all internet-based, but... There's some of it where I bought books, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, books on the early family. I've ordered books from Ireland, of, and uh, it, and you just have to read into them and make some assumptions. The accuracy of, of course, is always in question. I mean, recent ones that you know about are solid, but you know the accuracy is in question. I mean, it, at one time there was a lady back in the early 1900s that, that wrote that my side of the family, James Matten Early, wasn't part of the Jeremiah branch, which is what we're talking about. But in fact, her name was Ruth Harston, and, and she was actually wrong, wrong in a couple of different ways. But and remember, that was 1930 versus now and, and what we have available on the Internet. Uh, and also, the proof of the pudding was a lot of people that are related to Jeremiah are also related to me. So, you know, it had to be all the way up, and there was the white chromosome one too. So that's which is related to you, which yeah. is exactly says wait, they, he, she was wrong, and uh, this is the path. Well, and she didn't have the benefit of DNA testing. DNA hadn't no, been, she didn't hadn't been decoded till about 1953, and then commercially available to consumers like you and me until the last ten years or so. That's you right. and I, you and I share a DNA link. I mean, there's no. We don't have to. We don't even have to look at the documentation about that. We've actually have a and DNA doesn't lie, so that's part of the fascination of this genealogy studies today. I mean, we can point to the DNA that that we both share that connects us as cousins. Oh, by the way, you know, if remember the twenty three and me, where you saw a number of other names, not just my own, that you were related to, but Cox was a big name too. Mm-hmm. We have loads of coxes in our family. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the line, all of those things come together. Absolutely. It, by the way, sometimes it comes together in in ways that uh, genetically you wouldn't necessarily do. <laughs> <You know, laughs> Where first cousins marry first cousins. And it did happen a lot up in the Appalachia. Yes. Probably and- happened a lot in the world. Well, it it happened a lot in the world, and it happened in small villages throughout the world. Mm -hmm. It it probably still happens to this day, where a family wants to keep the wealth and the land and the the livestock in the same family, so a first cousin marries another first cousin, thereby keeping the wealth in the family. And, And at that rate, marrying a first cousin, at least you know who those people are, you trust them, and again, it comes down to probably comes down to a lot of inheritance. But again, let's come back to let's come back to to Virginia. Now, one of our cousins was a Confederate general, right, in the Civil War. Correct. Yes, General Jubilee Early, and he actually branches from the from there was Jeremiah Senior. He had like a bunch of sons, eight or nine or whatever, and I go down. I go down the Joshua Early tree. Then there was Jeremiah Jr., and he had sons. One was Jubal, who was the grandfather of General Jubal Anderson Early. He was, General Early was, he ended up being a lieutenant general. So he really graduated. He, he was under, originally under Stonewall Jackson, and then when Stonewall Jackson got shot and killed by one of his own guys, accidentally early took over and he ran the entire valley campaign he was one of the i think the only southern general that never surrendered when they surrendered he actually left 
and rode his horse to Texas and and, and from there to, to Mexico. From there, he went back to uh, Canada. Hmm. Uh, and then he came back to live in Lynchburg and he taught law. I think he taught law both in Lynchburg a third of the time and a third of the time he lived in New Orleans uh, teaching the law as well. An interesting thing, too, he was at the first Manassas Bull Run and probably the second one, too. He was at Gettysburg and a number of places. But he, at Bull Run, it was kind of like a like a walk-in-the-park type of outing. You know, people came and they put down picnic blankets with meals and kind of watched both sides kind of stand off to each other. They didn't think anything was really going to happen. And and so in early as Jack says, Hey, what do you want me to what do you want me to do? We only have like one bullet apiece. He says, Well, shoot that bullet and then just start yelling at him. And that's where the <laughs> rebel yell came from. Oh, that's amazing. Now, now, now how accurate is that? You know, I'm taking it from books that I've read, so Well, there's always a lot of anecdotes around history. More often than not, those anecdotes are based on are based on fact and observation at the time. So now Tim, you've you've created a total of what eighteen different family trees, and you're on another yes. and you're on another ten. Mm-hmm. The early Hurley family tree, I guess, has over ten thousand names on it. Yes, that's amazing. Now, there's another one that's even more than that because as the years progressed, and you've seen this when you did ancestry, that you can scroll through the connections that are that are there that you relate to in some way or in form or another. And you can see a, a lot of African-Americans in your own heritage, you yes. know, in your family. I would get contacted by a number of them and wondering, how, their roots are much harder to find than ours that go back to rich kids that came over to Virginia, mm-hmm. or second-born sons, obviously. So they, so they really are hurting to try and figure out where are the connections. And they know that they're both Caucasian, African-American, and, and maybe other sorts of things. We're certainly, all of us, are extremely different, a mixed group of people. So they would contact me, and we would try and search for it. We created a, a tree that's called Project Early Family, of which they can come in and edit. And it's, it's, it's an amalgamation of probably about 15 or 20 different families. They're beginning to find connections that actually ended up being a, by, by having a, a reunion of both white and black families in Lynchburg, Virginia. And then there were two more reunions after that at James Monroe's, President Monroe's uh, place in Orange County. It even got to be a uh, architectural, we got to participate in an architectural dig with the slave quarters and, and rebuilding them too at the, uh, at the plantation. Now that's, that's amazing. Early family sounds as though you've pretty much all through these 200, 300, 400 years, the early family has largely gravitated towards the towards Virginia. Ever moved to other states? Uh, no. Well, some of them actually did. I mean, Jubal's father actually had salt mines that he was using. A lot of them were, were legislatures. Uh, General Jubilee really was a Virginia legislature, both he and Lee opposed succession before the war. Uh-huh. And, um, it, you know, they went in, of course, they, they had to serve somewhere, and so they did. Earlys, even though they had were big slave owners for a long period of time, I mean, there was 
other earlys that just didn't believe in it. Of course, you know, the war between the states were families against families, particularly in places like Maryland, Virginia, any border state. Families disagreed about slavery and those kind of issues. Anyway, I forgot what I was thinking of at that point in time. <laughs> well, you we gotta, were... Remember, 72, Alzheimer's on its way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about your roots in Virginia and how after some 400 years, your family is still located and there in, in the great state of Virginia, the Dominion of Virginia. Yeah, well, my dad now moved. He got out of the mountains. I mean, they they started in nice, good, flat land in Westmoreland County, moved to Orange and around there, then down to Bedford, then to Rockingham County, then Franklin. Franklin County, by the way, where the, the earlys there, it's known for being the moonshine capital of the world, <laughs> you know, which I understand my grandfather had a little moonshine up there, you know, down further. So anyway, they actually kept going down to Lynchburg and in those mountains around there. I mean, dad was so far into the woods. It was like in the Appalachian there. You're talking, he, he was born in Hiawassee, Virginia, and Alisonia it was right next door. And mom was Indian Valley. Fortunately, my grandfather died. And then why would somebody say that? Well, dad was six years old when my grandfather died. And so grandma had to sell the bottom so that she had money to move back into Radford, the big city. And she she actually gave the, the mountains and, and the rest of the planting areas to the, the, the folks that had been working on the farm for probably centuries. Now, Tim, as you've done this, as you've done this research, whether it's on ancestry or family tree, could you share with us any big surprises that resulted from your analysis that that just uh, came out of left field that you weren't expecting at all as part of your family tree and uh, relations? You know, you can. There's a there's a lot of originally twenty three and me had a list of people that you know they would look at your basic DNA and they would tell you other people's names. It's missing from there now. So they must have quit doing that a number of years ago. And so you see names like, you know, Helen Keller and <laughs> Davy Crockett and that all with this, you know, markers that you have. Yes. So, you know, you're related to them somehow or another, but uh, I, I guess what was really the shocking is how far back I could get. You know, I got lucky. And, and by the way, anybody can do it. If you can get past American into England, and by the way, Ireland's terrible for keeping track of anything, as you well know with the Hurley. Absolutely. And uh, in fact, uh, they're they're the worst. You know. You, and, to, uh, your, to your I, to your point, I had to come via you, to which I'm glad that you kept the records. But because your family came to America earlier than the Hurley family, your family actually is the source of more of of records that I now can look back on and say, okay, those records I'm sharing with the Hurley family now as a result of the early family coming to the United States. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in there, and my, my actual guess is that you're, you and I are related in the Jeremiah or, or Thomas Early and maybe even John, but I think one of those. And, and of course they'll have kids and they'll have kids. There's a, there's a point when you're trying to tendency, of course, is to go in a straight line to see how far it'll go. But if you're trying to match people that are, you know, more distant cousins, then you have to go sideways. Yes. And that's a lot more difficult. 
Now, how far back, how far back, Tim, did you take your tree? Because I, I know when we chatted about uh. it earlier, you were going back, to, you were going way back. So how far back were you actually able to take your tree? All right. And this actually happened on a couple of my lines. I mean, on my mom's side of the family, some of their, the Phillipses and things actually came off the Mayflower. And then there was the Montagues that at Jamestown in the early days, Jamestown, 16, 19, that took us on. And the Montagues were a big name in England. There was, there's actually a, a county that's named after them. And of course, right next door to the county, is Stratford on Avon, and of course you know who's there, Shakespeare. Of course, yes. Well, guess what? Shakespeare is our, let's see, my 11th great-grandfather. My you know? goodness. Of course, there's always some question, who, who is Shakespeare? But think logically. Shakespeare had to make money. And to make money and to be able to write his plays, he had to get somebody that was a rich guy to, to fund it. Sure. Those were the earlys. Those, well, actually, they were the Montagues. And guess what? Shakespeare wrote a play called Romeo and Juliet. Yes. It was one of the family names. Montague. Montague. The Montagues exactly. and the Capulets. Uh-huh. Right. And, of course, in that kind of area, it takes us back to Scotland. And, of course, we'll, the you know the Braveheart guys are going to you know, want to put our head on a, on a spike right now. But <laughs> we were related. A grandfather was Robert the Bruce, <laughs> you know, the two double-crossed Braveheart. And, and once you get into Scotland, that takes you back to Sweden. And Sweden takes you back to the, some of the original kings of Sweden were actually from the Roman Empire. One guy's name was Yingbi, and that takes you back. And you and I've, now I've, I've also taken this in another direction on my mother's side, too. There were a couple of three or four paths have gone all the way back into a king, Seleucid, which was around 380 B.C. Now, jokingly, we there was a fellow that we were related to it's a big name called Mathat bin levy he was a 61st great-grandfather well that takes you back to joseph and mary and jesus and solomon abraham noah methuselah and adam and eve so you know it's a joke i like to tell my friends so so i guess we're jewish you know and i tell my jewish friends that <laughs> i'm about more jewish than you guys are you know that i can i can show you the tree back to God, who's my 121st great-grandfather, you know? Well, Tim... Now, you know I don't take any of this to heart. It also takes us back to Mark Anthony, Cleopatra VII, which is the one we're all familiar with. Right. Ptolemy, you know, and the the Egyptian pharaoh. By the way, everybody on this planet is related. No greater than 50th cousins. And I don't care whether they're in Borneo or next door. If you're bad-mouthing somebody, just remember it's your cousin. <laughs> well, you know, it, it just goes, it goes to show you that in, the, in this field of genealogy and family history, if you do your homework, you make some educated assumptions, you can take it back centuries and centuries. So, Tim, mm-hmm. in, the re- in the remaining few minutes that we have left in our podcast, are there any other thoughts that, uh, that you'd like to share with, uh, with our listeners as regards family history and some do's and don'ts and for listeners out there who are maybe just starting on this path? Don't get upset when somebody writes to you and say, well, you're wrong about that connection. <laughs> <laughs> just correct it and, and go on about your way. Just do it for fun. Don't get 
serious about any of it. And who cares if your great-grandmother was, you know, the black widow that killed a lot of grandfathers, right? I mean, that's okay. Who cares if they were horse thieves, right? And that's why you can't go beyond them. It happens. That doesn't make you guilty of anything. So, and just remember, breeding is a mix evenly. And mixing is usually constrained within nations or within cultures. And, but still, the most distant person is your 50th cousin. So that, that's, if nothing else, it's just to think and remember that everybody on this planet is related. Uh, I'm sure some people are going to argue with that. We are. And you should think that way when you're making decisions about prejudice or, or anything else. I guess that's the big takeaway. Well, listen, Tim, on that note, I'd like to thank our guest, Tim Early, for joining us today to discuss his family history journey and how it's impacted my family, the Hurley family, and how I've discovered this whole new line of cousins back in Virginia, the Early family. Well, Jim, thank you very much for having me, and I'm sure we're going to keep in touch over the years as we discover more and more information. It's been great, great knowing you and great meeting you. Hopefully one day we'll get to get to meet before we become one of the ancestors. <laughs> right. Well, hopefully that's not going to be for many decades yet. My, my, <laughs> my pleasure, Tim. And for my listeners, please take a moment to visit our website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com and subscribe. It's free to do so, and by subscribing, all future episodes will go to your inbox. You can also read my blog, listen to the past 165 episodes of the podcast, peruse my book, send me an email, or make a comment. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.